Hey Jeff, how are you? Hey mate. Hey, you all right? Good to see you. Hello Jeff, how you doing mate? You all right? Hello Jeff, can you hear me now? Yeah. My God, what a faff on. I've had a real faff on today. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's been a long time since we last seen each other. I know, I want to say it's definitely in a pit somewhere. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm all right, how are you? Hey there. Hey, how's it going? Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Oh, hey, Alice. Good to see you there. Right, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Waiting for Raquel. Excited to get to chat to you. The Big Jeff Chat. This week, Jeff Barrett, Heavenly Recordings. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. <laughs> how is it? Like magic. What's that? Like magic. I know. <laughs> your your say is. Hmm. A Jeff on Jeff. We'd <laughs> 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 both be coming out to like the. The sound of like the Rocky soundtrack, couldn't we? Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. How you been? I've been not too bad, actually. Surprisingly, given given like um, the state, given the state of things at the moment. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a bit tired because I was staying up late last night. So I was watching too many gig streams, basically. What did you um, see last night? Uh, well, I was watching Phoebe Bridgers and Phineas Eilish, who's Billy Eilish's brother. Okay. Uh, and actually, his set was actually really quite interesting. Okay. Because, um, he kept on changing the colours for every single one of his songs. Right. Because he has synesthesia, so he's like, right, okay, I'll change the colour of my of my studio for every single one of every single one <laughs> of these. He had like a special like light box design for him. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So like kind of each one of the songs is like a different emotion sort of thing. Great. Um, Great. Yeah. Good songs. Yeah, I like them. Actually, I think they're, they're, I think they're, he's definitely one of those kind of interesting kind of pop song producers, really. Mm -hmm. he's a, yeah, he writes a lot of the stuff for Billie Eilish, sort of thing. Yeah, Does he, produ he produces her records, I think, doesn't he? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, they definitely do them in like the vein, like for, especially for the pop world, in quite a DIY sense, as if in like they, they recorded actually in his bedroom. Mm -hmm. Sort of thing. Have you, been, have you been watching a lot of gigs on, uh, online then? Yeah, that's right. the thing is that pretty much every day it's almost like keeping up my gig diet, but like <laughs> kind of like an online online variation. <laughs> and 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 are they are they are they satisfying? I I mean I I, I saw I haven't seen anything particularly fancy. I watched the sort of simple stuff like when Sea Change went online, which yeah, um which I, I like as well. I've been enjoying watching Katie Pearson do her Saturday night Friday, her um Saturday night. Mm. things from home yeah. but um i i must admit i am quite looking forward to when the restrictions get a get a little eased when people can be in the room together go be, well there's the going in the room together bit but i'm i'm seeing that as still being a little bit a little bit of a little bit far away yeah but just when 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 enough when the numbers can when the numbers can add up to a band and then they can go into a room somewhere yeah. plug in and somebody can film it so we can get this you know we can get something closer to the live experience uh, uh, in our own home yeah i know that they've been doing that in america so it's like on because like the other night i was watching clutch as if in like the kind of the team metal band and like they, so they had like there's them and crowbar and um a couple of other bands who are all performing in their own studios oh, okay they're doing like the the the, the usual kind of like live set, but like right, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm waiting for here. We've been trying. Yeah. To, so Heaven, Heaven is thirty this year. Yeah, and, right. Um, well done. Uh, especially that, 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 that would be said really well done for for thank you. for for standing thirty years. I know. Well, it's not just me. You know, I'll, I'll take your thanks and appreciate them massively. But I just I was the guy. That, I just happened to be the guy that's started you know <laughs> um you know you, you've met everybody that lives the dream alongside me and um and you, you know how passionate everybody is so it, it, it's total teamwork but yeah, it's been very disappointing you know, like, but, but sometimes it needs like a little spark to start that way to be honest doesn't it yeah i mean i mean when i started it funny enough are you, are you at home in bristol yeah i um 
it was it, it was it was because of a Bristolian. Actually, he wasn't a Bristolian. He lived in Bristol. Uh, it was a Brist, it was a Bristol fella that that actually lit the fuse to, that, that 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 made me start Heavenly. It's a chap called Mike Chadwick. Uh-huh. And long ago, up on the up on the triangle, there used to be a record shop called Revolver. Did you yeah. were you in Bristol when that was there? Yeah, no, I remember Revolver just about. I was I would okay. been like kind of tail end of. Revolver, because I would have moved in around about 2002-ish. Okay. So I would have been okay. like the tail end of Revolver. I, I, was, Revolver. I was there almost 20 years before you, Jeff. I, got, I, my, I managed that shop for one year. Wow. Uh, 1983 into 84. Wow. Yeah, I was the manager of that shop, and that shop was great. That shop was very, very busy shop, and it was also an a, a fantastic year for the music culture that that shop propagated. So mm. it was the year. So Revolver, the shop, had a back room which was Revolver Distribution, and that wow. was, yeah, that was that would sell all the independent label releases to the southwest of England and South Wales, uh, as part of a network called the Cartel, which was. Yeah. A network of mostly shops who set up distributions to service their regions. Mm. And I used to work in the HMV shop in Plymouth and I used to buy from Revolver wow. in Bristol. And this chap, Mike Chadwick, he was the shop manager. And one day, Mike decided that he was going to leave the shop but buy into the distribution side of the business. Mm. And the guy that ran that was called Lloyd Harris. He was a Bristol fella, very nice yeah. man, as yeah. was Mike. Um, as is Mike, um, and Lloyd said to Mike, "Well, there's the person we need to get to, to, to replace you. He's in the HMV shop in Plymouth, and um, yeah. and he buys far too many records from us, but sells them all. Yeah. And uh, so I got called, got a call, and I went up and had this interview, and I took Mike's job there, um, which was great because for a music nut like me." Yeah having this distribution room next door got me even closer. I mean, it's an elitist job, this, because yeah. the reason I got, wanted to work in a record shop in the first place, before the label, was just so I could get my hand on records before anybody else. That's that. That's exactly why. Whether as a kid, I just wanted to work record shops. I wanted to get that. So when I had this distribution room uh, uh, as an add-on to the shop, I was even closer to the source. I was getting white labels. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So the natural, you know, eventually one day, I guess I was going to start this label. But yeah. Mike Chadwick, going back to that chap. So I be, uh, Mike was a very nice man. I enjoyed working for Mike at Revolver, but I only did it for a year. I, I, I missed. I actually missed Plymouth. I, 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 I had a girlfriend down there and I missed my friends. So I'd, I'd close up, I'd shut up shop in Bristol on a Saturday night and get the train back to Plymouth for a night out, yeah. go back on um, Monday morning. But um, so it only lasted a year. Well, that year was great because the yeah. Smith's debut record came out, um, you know, and it was a big indie store, but it was also a big reggae store. And, and the Wild Bunch guys, Nelly yeah. and Grant were doing the, Dugout club, so they were buying electro records so, so from us like as well. Like, like, like the foundings for like trip hop and for like yeah. lots of like the kind of uh, like post punk sort of stuff as yeah. well. Totally that. Like, I mean, but also the Bristol was a massive hotbed for a lot of the post punk movement. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, the pop group were uh, a revelation. Yeah. You know, without the pop group, we would have had no certain ratio. You know, and 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 so on and so forth. Very important group. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, so, so, so I was down in Bristol for, for a year working with those guys. And then several years late, uh, later, before I did Heavenly, I actually did a couple of labels, smaller labels. I did one called Head. I put out the first records by Loop. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I did there. Uh, and uh, when James Endicott was actually a member as well. It, wow. Je- Je- yeah, it first was started. You know, first time you know James Endicott is free. Well, the first time I met James was actually in 1984 very early 85 it was either end of 84 or early 85 he was a student at um college in dartmouth wow and i was working in a record shop in plymouth 
at the time in the city centre called Meet Whiplash. Yeah. And it was down on, down, you're from Plymouth, aren't you, Jeff? Um, well, my parents are, are, are li like going to live in Plymouth and my sister does, but I've, I, I, I've, I've got a weird wayward history, to be honest. Okay. Our shop was down near the market and yeah. the indoor market in Frankfurt Gate, and it was a great shop. It was as freaky as, you know, the name suggests, I guess. I mean, it was named after a song by the Fire Engines. Yeah. And, um, and it was just a fucking great alternative record shop. You know, it was... Um, uh, some people tell me they were scared to go in, but I mean, if you were a music lover, I mean, man, you know, you go across that, you go through that door, you see course, the window, yeah. and you're going, I'm going in, I'm going to find someone in there, a, 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 a soul friend, yeah, I'm soulmate. Yeah, we were, well, we were a good like, shop. Like, so me, whenever I see a box of records, I'm like, let's have a quick flick through here. Yeah, totally that. You, but, just, you never lose <laughs> sense, do you? No. No. Well, James did that one day. He came in to meet Whiplash. He came to Plymouth shopping. I think he needed to buy some socks. And he came to Plymouth from college, from Dartmouth, and saw this shop and thought, I'm going in there. And I'll never forget this. I remember seeing him the first time. He, I was leaning on the counter. It was a Saturday morning. I was, I was hungover. And I was leaning on the counter. And I saw this guy staring in disbelief around this shop. He was looking at the walls. There were Stooges posters on the walls. There were posters wow. of the Velvets and... And, and and Alex Chilton and and you know these great rock and roll icons. Well, so um, I suppose it was, it was like in the period when also when they weren't necessarily always iconic either, or they no. weren't always you know like seen yeah. as like the great icons that they are now. Uh, no, it, it was weird, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, James, um, being suitably weird, loved it. And he uh, was flicking through, you know, these records and was pulling out these Australian imports, like groups, the Triffids, whose records were only available in import at the time, yeah. but very hard to find. Boys Next Door, right, the early birthday party, pre-birthday party, um, Roland Howard and Nick Cave's group. Mm. And he couldn't believe this stuff. So that was the time I met him, because he turned around to me, and he looked at me and said, what the fuck are you doing here? Not meaning me personally, <laughs> meaning, <laughs> meaning this shop in Plymouth. Yeah. And I said, yeah, he would blew his mind. He goes, oh, what the fuck? And, and then he noticed behind my head, there was a poster on the, on the back wall for a, a Jesus and Mary Chain gig, which was taking place uh, early February, mm. 85, uh, at a small club in Plymouth, um, just off of Union Street. I, it was a gig I put on. Yeah, oh, he, wow. He pointed at that poster and he said, and now you're really taking the fucking piss. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then a, a few years later, I bumped into him at a gig in London, yeah. and I'd started working with Loop, and we'd been talking about having a, a fourth member, just for, more for luck and balance than necessarily a, any virtuoso player, which is, yeah. of, course he, of course, he wasn't, you know. But, right. but he looked fantastic, he still looks fantastic, and he is fantastic. So I remember approaching his gig saying, he said, you're that guy from the record shop. I said, I am. How are you? Do you want to join a band? <laughs> <laughs> Dennis, I think that I think that's a question which I think any and which a lot of probably music nerds have probably reacted by going, fuck yes. Yeah, totally. I think there, there's definitely there, there's like I mean even I've because you had those bit of ambitions by being like, wow, what what happened if how cool would it, would it be if I put out my own record or if I put my own artwork for a record sort of yeah. thing? Yeah. So I think, yeah. So I think also a lot for me with a lot of records, I've also found myself sometimes buying because of the artwork. Uh huh. Yeah. Sometimes you pick them up and go like, "That looks really cool." Yeah. And yeah. like sometimes if it looks really cool, then it's generally is going to be like kind of at least going to be at least half interesting sounding record. Yeah. Very, very. It's very important. And if you do get it home and the record's rubbish, you just throw the record away and put the picture on the wall. Yeah. Exactly. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 or you just like store it in a bin somewhere, which with the like kind of like. Yeah, like it, it can be a Christmas Jordan. gift. It can be a Christmas gift. Sorry, the sleeve, you don't get the sleeve with this gift. <laughs> exactly. the, <laughs> the, um, but those things are clues, aren't they? They're very important, you know, and, 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 and I think you've got, I, I'd like to think that we, we have good artwork on Heavenly Records, but, but, but we've had some labels. The first one that comes to mind is obviously 4AD, who used to have a, you know, an in-house designer, yeah. and the artwork was always um his representation Vaughan Oliver's representation of yeah. what the group sounded like rather than the group identity I, I've never felt that 
I could do that. I always feel that with the groups that we sign, mm. the groups we work with, I always feel that they probably, it's important for them to, 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 to create, yeah. create the artwork. We can help them. Yeah. Um, and Danny does all the time. Mm. Um, but rather than take it out of their hands completely. I worked for Factory for a short while in the, in the late 80s. Um, oh, wow. uh, for about four years. Yeah, I did. I was their I was their press guy for three years. God, I can imagine what, what was that like working with Patrick? Oh, it was amazing. Oh, it was fantastic. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, I, 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 the first record I, I used to do press. You see, I was I was I, the first job I had uh, was at Creation in 1985. Uh, I moved from Plymouth from that record shop, and that was because of that Jesus Samaritan gig that I was just mentioning. I put yeah. them on, and Alan McGee came down to Plymouth and saw this chaos <laughs> oh it was crazy i mean you know it's a very tiny club and 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 the the police weren't happy you know this group had a reputation for having riots at their shows which yeah. was you know relatively true minor scraps and scuffles which yeah. have been turned into riots via alan mcgee's um, mclaren-esque kind of Man. way of getting publicity yeah. but um but I, 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 I did the same thing. I told them, I told the, the, the morning news and the evening herald that there was a rat blasphemous riot band coming to Plymouth. And of course, they put it all over the front pages. No, of course they did. Of course they did. I suppose it's, it's like any publicity is good publicity, especially back then. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you know, if, I'd, if I hadn't known that group and I read there was a blasphemous riot band coming, I'd have been it. I'd have gone. I'd, yeah. have, I'd have bought a ticket. <laughs> but, thing, but then the other thing is also that, that it's like when... I guess it's around about the time when they started to do like people would 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 have started like putting like offensive like lyrics like warning con content on the albums, and they they would like, end up shifting about fifty times the amount that yeah. the actual record would sell because yeah, those big oh that's offensive that's going to tell the parents yeah, oh totally so naughty kids just going to have that one <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> really. yeah so yeah we were. We, we did we, that's how I got that job at creation, but then I got the job at factory. Where I mean, I got, I mean, it's mad. I, I, I you know, that, I got a work for Alan McGee and Tony Wilson. Um, they're both actor characters, aren't they? Yeah, and they were both quite different characters, very forceful, strong, passionate people. Um, Tony, you could tell he was Cambridge educated and 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 quite the intellectual. Alan's more streetwise and um, and uh, tough, really. I think, but you know, Tony would just have a, a very random idea, which um, he would never fail to act on. You know, wow. whether people agreed with him or not, he would go ahead. So I, I like that. I like that free spirit, and yeah. um, uh, you know, he, he, he always thought he knew better than than everybody, including the groups, really, um, which he didn't. But it was it, it, watching him operate was was really quite fantastic. And, wow. and quite inspiring. But back to Bristol though, Mike Chadwick, that guy, yeah, one day after doing this head label with him, with Loop and uh, whatever, we stayed friends and, 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 and he called me once in 1989. Yeah. Out of the blue and said that, um, that Revolver, as it was then, still the distribution, it was before it became Vital Distribution, he said that we, that we need an in-house you know, in label here. There's quite a lot of good stuff around in Bristol at the moment. Mm. We don't have a label would you like to come in with, on, on this label with me and be the A&R and um, I'll do all of the finance stuff and you can go mm. and sign some groups and stuff. So I thought about it for about a, a nanosecond and then said, yes, of course, I would. <laughs> and, uh, would too. It's, it's like your dream job, isn't it? Being landed slap bang right in your lap. Oh, oh yeah. No, I, I was, I, it, was, it was definitely another one of those pinch yourself moments where I was like, okay, Yep, I'm in. Um, and, uh, and that was Mike. Mike actually bailed on it quite quickly because we signed some groups where we, we generated quite a lot of publicity and profile for the first three signings mm. very quickly. St. Etienne, Manic yeah. Street Preachers and Flowered Up. Were, wow. Yeah, I mean, everyone was on the front cover of, you know, we had, we had five weekly new music papers back then. Enemy, Melody to Make a Sound, mm. Record Mirror. And Black Echoes, we rarely troubled Black Echoes, but the other papers, we were on the covers with these groups, yeah. you know. I mean, try <laughs> keeping the Manic Street Preachers off the off the cover of any magazine, you know. Yeah. 
Well, well, it's like, then it's like the same, but then it's like the same at the time with like Syntactian and stuff like that. Because like, mm. obviously, I remember my, I guess my introduction to Syntactian was being hearing like a lot of bands have been hearing them on the radio. Yeah, so like they would have played part of like my childhood's kind of soundtrack inadvertently. Is like when Foxtrot um, Alpha came out, I would yep. have been about eight years old. <laughs> oh wow! Well, yeah. the um. Only Love Can Break Your Heart single came out 30 years ago yesterday. Yeah, I know, that, 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 that is such a great... I didn't realise that was a Neil Young cover until yes, like a few years ago. And then, then, but, but what a great cover. I think it's, it's a great cover. It not only is it a Neil Young song, it's a Neil Young song that was written and performed in Walt's time. And wow. they just, you know, they, they really did make it their own. Yeah. And I, 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 it was really lovely to hear it yesterday. Um, on its 30th birthday, uh, release day. Um, I think it's and also, it still sounds really fresh. It still sounds young, youthful and fresh and like a great pop record should. Yeah, but I, think it's, I think it's a testament to the fact that they took that, they took that song and they completely reimagined it in their own way and they, mm. they made something really work and really stand out. I mean, yeah. like, so whenever I hear it, I'm reminded of being like eight years old or, yeah. you know, like kind of seeing them on top of the parks or yeah. something like that, and people forget about like actually, I guess how differently like the media world kind of worked. I guess mm-hmm. back then, and actually the importance of having things like like radio, even mainstream radio, to airplay and that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. And 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 having that amount of music papers each week, you know, it was uh, it was it was it was it was a good time. You know, it's very healthy to. to you know, I, I was a big NME reader and just I'd wait outside the shop. I'd be waiting outside the shop for it to open of a Wednesday, as it was in Plymouth when they arrived, and uh, waiting for, for it to come. But the, the thing about Only Love Can Break Your Heart that I still think is, it, 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 you can hear in the song, is it was made by a couple of guys, a couple of kids who loved pop music, who absolutely yeah. loved it. To actually, to reinterpret something like, you know, fearlessly, you know, because some people are looking, oh man, you can't touch a Neil Young song. Well, not yeah. only did they touch it, but they completely did reimagine it, you know. Um, and they weren't skilled musicians. They were just right. dreamers and believers and um, and pop kids. Well, I guess it's a bit like, in, in some ways, it, it kind of like, they came out around the same time as like stuff like Stereo Lab as well, which was also like kind of dreaming on like both elements of like and broadcast where they're taking like kind of, I guess elements of like kind of slightly dance music and then and nerdy indie music and making this kind of like really kind of I guess encapsulating encapsulating pop movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know. There's a, a love of movies in there for all of those groups as well. I think um, and soundtracks and uh, finding influences in film soundtracks. Well, I think that, I think that it's also like it's it's like you know bringing up stuff like film soundtracks is also like quite a huge. Kind of influence on a lot of people because yeah. like, I mean, like yeah, Barrow, Portishead, yeah, you no, know, those Lalo Schifrin and film samples on their first album, yeah. And then also, the other thing which I, I mean, I always get remembered of like kind of like stuff like the like James Bond themes and stuff like that, and just like it's like how I mean, I was talking to this with Kate Stables about how. Like sometimes we hear things and it is and it does have like a sentimental value to us. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes it's because maybe music can communicate an emotion that we can't always verbalise. Um, so like obviously doing stuff like soundtracks, um, they they can like serve a purpose to, to like semi narrate what's happening in the film. Yeah. Or how the audience is supposed to feel. Yeah. Like, so what do we do then? Do we do we then? St- do, do we then use other people's music to, to soundtrack our films? So it's our yeah. lives are being constantly soundtracked. I think they are. Even from like pre-birth, there's things like, obviously we hear like a man singing voices sort of thing. Uh-huh. And that actually, you know, like yeah. when, even when you go outside, there's always noise going on. There's always, you know, like either animals. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just so hard like, to screen this guy. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. To be honest, I think that's, that's one of the things which actually, which I have enjoyed about some of the live streams, has been some of the, either some of the pet, some of the pet interaction, or some of the 
¿Qué se hace? <risa> Every time. <laughs> He wants his own show, Jeff. Yeah, but some of the interactions have been like really made in the live streams for me. Like, like, you know, a sea change. I was watching um, was it, uh, Dry Cleaning. Mm -hmm. They pre-recorded like a performance and they, they're all in their individual houses and uh, the bass player halfway through like the they did two songs and halfway through the second song the bass player's puppy literally coming inside the grid bass and he literally had to like whilst playing the song shoot the puppy away <laughs> you know like, like so it'd be like to shoot the puppy with one hand whilst also playing the bass with the other Brilliant. or like um i was watching was it, uh, young knives I've been doing yeah. like a regular stream, and okay. um, they, they had one night. I think it was like one of them. One of them's like living in a in a caravan, and he decided to dress up as uh, Ron Mail from Sparks. Mm -hmm. And then the, the other guy, <laughs> um, they were playing like lots of really random seventies and eighties adverts in between each one of their songs. Yeah. Then like yeah. the other one had his eleven-year-old son controlling the background visuals, <laughs> and like every now and again. His son would like kind of pop in and like basically kind of he's like press up like cross between Jason Voorhees meets Ronald McDonald. All I can give you, all I can give you is a cat, Jeff. Sorry, man. That's the best interaction I've had so far, to be honest. <laughs> Great, you can stay there, okay? Let's face it, it's like sometimes it's a random interaction which makes things a lot more interesting. That's life, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's I mean, definitely like, true. I mean, I've also found that um, through this period, I found myself actually reflecting on a lot more things and actually seeing either, um, for me, how far emotionally I've come like all like how far like I never ever thought that for, for me even sitting down doing this is like something that, that I'll never be able to do even four, four or five years ago. Partly it's not having technology but then also partly because of I think confidence wise. Okay well that's good to that's good to hear. I mean I mean I, I, it's great that you're doing it. I mean I, I, it doesn't surprise me though. I mean yeah. you've always you've always been a you, you, whenever I've spoken to you, you always speak brilliantly, eloquently, passionately, and, and knowledgeably about everything. Um, so this is right that you're doing this, you know. I mean, yeah. you've always been curious. You're always down, you know. You 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 you, you as, always at gigs, always getting involved. Mm. You know. I mean, that's all it takes, Jeff. Bit of confidence and a lot of passion, really. Yeah. You know, just uh, you should keep doing this. I think, really. You oh, know, no, even, yeah. even, well, even when we're all allowed out, you should be. Um, you should be chatting to people. Uh, well, I, I always, well, I kind of always have been, but the thing is, that sometimes in certain situations, I guess it's like, like I've seen, like we'd, we'd be seeing each other at like Sea Change Festival, mm -hmm. for instance, and but then sometimes it'd be like, oh, quick, I've got to go, go nip off to go and see this person. Yeah. Let's actually <laughs> sit down and actually have a one-to-one -one chat. Is <laughs> is actually it reminds me like that there's so much more to kind of humanity than we probably take for granted. Yeah. You know, and I we think we around a bit, don't we? Yeah. There's yeah. also like, um, for instance, I've always found that I've got to go to certain shows on, on because of like certain emotional, you know, like emotional feelings. And I actually have to say that um, I remember one was End of the Road where B1 played. Yeah. And I just remember that, I mean, thanks, I think it was, I mean, like, I just remember, like, kind of spending half their performance with my eyes shut and then opening mm. my eyes and being confronted by bees. Yeah, <laughs> it was beautiful, that, wasn't it? It was, oh, man, it was it a was Sunday, amazing. early Sunday. They, they're making a, they've been making a new record for a little while. Um, oh, wow. It would have been, I think it would have been completed by now, but um, they were in the final final straight just before before everything ground to a a lockdown halt um mm. 
but hopefully yeah that in fact they were even supposed to be doing a couple of shows they had uh wow yeah, yeah they had a show lined up at the king's place in london for july uh and something else in august but sadly like everything else has been cancelled or postponed yeah I mean, that was lovely wasn't it that was on the, if I'm, Am I right in remembering that it was on the garden stage? Yeah, it was. I remember that. I remember it's ten thirty in the morning. I think it was the. Yeah. I think it was the year yeah. when. Um, I think the teen, I think teenage fan club played that year. I think it uh -huh. was. Um, I think it was partly because of like, the headliner that they had on the Sunday night, because she was like a harpist. Um, the Joanna Newsom uh, thing, so they couldn't have anything clashing with her. That's right. Yeah. And that, that, uh, they had to turn all the other everything off, didn't they? All the yeah. music had to be turned off. I was stood in the I was stood in the rough trade tent opposite yeah. the uh, the rough trade shop opposite the uh, opposite the uh, the tent where Teenage Fan Club were playing. And yeah. in that shop, um, they had some music playing. And somebody came in and asked them to even turn that off in the, yeah. in the shop. Yeah, I can turn the because the half is quite a delicate instrument. Mm -hmm. To be playing, but yeah, I did it was very like, odd. I did, I did a little bit could have get under my goat. I think it was also a, it was also heavily kind of quite heavily raining at the time. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Else, uh, <laughs> I guess it's probably me just going like we usually. I guess like with preaching sometimes festivals is like you need to get put into fast mood. Like mm -hmm. quick, I'm going to go from this experience to this experience. <laughs> did you watch Teenage Fan Club that night? Yeah. I did. Um, I remember watching. Cause I think I would have been like, was that about twenty sixteen? Because mm. I think was that the same year that you had the twenty fifth anniversary? Is that? That was twenty fifteen. I think it was the year. I think you're right that it was the year after that. I yeah. think you're right. It was. I think it was sixteen. I think you're correct there. We did the garden stage all day on the Saturday. Yeah. In, 2015 and say that you played didn't they and Lanigan played yeah. I remember Sid Tipton set and that, that was absolutely stunning that was great remember, like, with, the heat, with the huge like inflatable balls yeah that's right and that was really good yeah that was really good and Stealing Sheep played a really good show that day yep and Hooten Tennis Club yeah did Bill Ryder play that day was that was who, who Jeff sorry Bill Ryder played then or was that um was that I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, fair enough. To be honest, you've got so much stuff. I know. It gives me a brain ache. It's like, honestly, I've been thinking this whole thirtieth birthday thing. People have been trying to talk to me about it. I'm thinking, bloody hell! Yeah. I, I, I have to. <laughs> I have to kind of. I'm very. I'm very much. I'm very much a tomorrow person. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, it's you know, I I I I, I don't always think that. The best is yet to come, but I just, I just, I'm always, you know, I, 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 I love the momentum that you get with this, and it's, also, it goes back, it goes back to that thing that I was saying earlier about that desire to hear something first. It's just, you know, create to be part of the, you know, to be assist in the creation of, of getting music out is such a blessing and a pleasure that, um, that it's all that the thrust is always that. So thinking back sometimes, it's very. Very hard to remember. Well, it's, well, it's like for me, it's like, um, I guess it's like discovering when you discover something for the first time, you, you always you always have like a wave of energy. Mm -hmm. So like, so I, I always remember like sometimes things like discovering young fathers for the first time when like, I literally physically couldn't sleep afterwards because I, I had wow. that much excitement and energy yeah. afterwards or like, because um, sometimes I've seen artists when they've done something completely brand new, like, Someone like Anna Meredith, for instance, who yeah. like crosses like in the multiple genres mm. in one song, and I'll find myself like ha having like an on button which doesn't really go off. Mm. It might, it, I mean, I probably have to like sometimes give myself like good three or four hours to calm down afterwards. Definitely. <laughs> 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 I think. I think that like, I, I like sometimes like. But with some festivals, I found myself actually getting so excited that, that I haven't been able to physically sleep. <laughs> you know, like I'll be like, because you because you lost your tent. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's more that I have. It's, it's a really weird thing that it's like it's almost like a FOMO sort of thing. 
Where, so I have to be at the very first yeah. thing. I have to be at the very last thing. Yeah. I have to like sometimes, even if it includes like kind of going to bed at five in the morning to be waking up at like kind of ten in the morning to go and see the very very first thing. I have to do that. Yeah. And even yeah. from even in Barcelona from a very sound, I'll be like kind of getting back to my apartment say six o'clock in the morning, crashing out for a few hours, yeah. then like for a couple of hours later I'll be like. Like, oh, first time starting, it'll be like, <laughs> in the morning, sort of thing. So I'll be like, like, up, power, then, then I'll be out, right in the centre of Barcelona to watch a lot of the preamble stuff, which happens before the main festival yeah. event. Yeah. So I will literally probably, I probably could probably quite easily see about 20 or 30 acts in a day. Jeez, wow, man. I hope you never lose that enthusiasm, Jeff. <laughs> uh, I think I will, because I think if, as, as long as there's, Still, people making new music out there. I think there's always going to be something new to discover. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It, there, there is. It's. There will be. There will. There, there will be forever and ever and ever. It's like the whole thing. And and then there's this whole the whole. Just the, there's the, there's a whole bunch of stuff in the past that we don't even know about yet as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? that's, that's why I love like ruffling through um, charity shops sometimes. Mm. It's because yeah. like you will occasionally. Stumble across like the records, you go, which will either be this will be genius or yeah. it'll be so offensively bad. I <laughs> <laughs> can't believe someone you know, ever like you know, licensed this. Like yeah. hearing about Mrs. Mills making her psychedelic record sort of thing. Yeah. Apparently, she did make like a, like a, she did try to do like a psychedelic covers album. <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to hear if I if I have to hear that or I really don't want to hear that. <laughs> um, he I says, "Fine, uh, going on to discogs." I saw Cello Biafra was doing the like a like a thing online where he's like talking about his his record collection, and he he pulled it out and it's like her with like this lime green sleeve and other things to like green, green colours. I think he's like, eating some soap cookies or something. <laughs> you know, just uh, Jeff, just, just give me just one second. I just need to get a glass of water a minute. I've just okay. drank this bottle. Of... I've got a glass of water. Yeah. When do you want? Wendy wants to say hello, Jeff. Hey, hey Wendy. Jeff. How you doing? Really nice to see you. How's things? Yeah, I'm holding on. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm like, I'm still alive. You know, hey. like, despite despite kind of like. Then calling to bed about three o'clock in the morning. You know. It's really nice to see you, Jeff. Yeah, let's see you, Wendy. Take care, Yeah. Uh, so that's been the nice thing for this uh, lockdown. I've been locked down with Wendy. I've been locked down with Wendy and Sonny, my um, our oldest, and um, yeah. and uh, and that's been that's been that's been great. That's been really good. Like kind of bringing home like the family and like the important yeah. to me as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I must admit that, that's one thing I've been missing because, like, because my parents live down in Br in Plymouth, and like, yeah. What part of Plymouth are they in, Jeff? Um, they live in they live in Stonehall Flats. Okay. Right, and yeah. then, like, um, my sister literally lives that, like down the road from them. Okay. Um, is that is that Stone is that Stonehouse near the yeah. where the Kremel, where the ferry is the Kremel yeah. ferry? Yeah. That's lovely. That ferry it goes across to Mount Edgecombe, doesn't it? Oh man, we've, we've done that so many times for walks. I love that. It's perfect because also yeah. like my parents are really into sailing, quite into sailing. Okay, perfect. So then. Yeah, so they've they've so where they, so where they are, they've got like their own kind of key. Okay, so right. Like, so like pretty much right outside their flat. Oh, nice. Great. Right, so they're right next door to Princess Yachts. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I, I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, so that's um, that's really close to the actual Cremel Ferry slipway, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. About a five minute walk away. We used to go over to Edgecombe quite a lot when I lived there. Um, I, I lived in Plymouth from eight, 80 to 85, um, January, January 80 to June 85, but with a year off in Bristol. Um, and uh, my brother lives in Stonehouse, actually, and my big brother I, I used to live with. And, wow. um, and yeah, as soon as the sun came out, we'd be on that ferry going over to Edgecombe. Oh, or we'd go jump in a car and go to Whitsand Bay, mm. spend the afternoon on the beach. It's but then the thing is, but, but then it's like, um, I mean, I've, I've been, I've, I guess I've been like kind of 
So I look back to my parents, and I guess that they 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 also both like kind of influenced me in this in the way. Not just like outlook of the mind, but also how I listen to things as well. Right. I think that um, like for instance, like so a lot of like, um, um, a lot of, like sometimes my relationship with music was sometimes built around car journeys and yeah. um, like cassette tapes sort of thing. Do you remember what you were listening to? What they were playing? Oh yeah, some of them. So, so, so some of them I do. Like um, I remember that one of my favourites um, was a like kind of seventies um, hip hop disco mixtape made for them by their best man. Okay, great. Oh yeah, so 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 it's like so it's from the age of about five, I was introduced to like Grace Jones, Mally Mel the Furious Five, Grandmaster Flash, Africa Master. Whether I knew actually who they were. Uh-huh. No, I'd find out. I'd find out later, sort of thing, in my life. Yeah. Who these people, what these artists' names were. But I'd hear these songs and be like, "Wow, these sounds like space aliens." Yeah. You know, with all the synth sounds, sort of thing. Yeah, um, they're all they're they're all really good. They're, well, I mean, those those examples are fantastic, aren't they? And and yeah. and odd, and all just brilliantly, brilliantly, brilliantly odd and great. <laughs> and, yeah, you can still stick them on, and they'll fill any dance floor. Oh yeah, yeah, totally, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like whether it's like Grace Jones. I mean, Gra- I mean, I've seen Grace Jones a few times, and she's always been a like kind of quite an incredible diva performer. Mm. I mean, like if you want anyone to put Madonna to shame, just yeah. just stick on Grace Jones. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's like she's seventy something years old, and she's still like wearing virtually nothing on stage. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. Most, most of her costume is body paint. <laughs> you like her watching it. A friend of mine plays guitar in her in her live group. Has done for quite a long time. Yeah, and uh, absolutely loves her. But just you know, it, it 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 amazes him still to this day that she she just hasn't really aged. She just no. hasn't. Aged. You know, she would still go out with the same energy um, level yeah. and uh, commitment to the performance and the show, and enjoy herself. Oh yeah, well, to her sense of humour is freaking brilliant. Yeah. It's like, well, who else could you think of who would perform with with a massive strap on and just say to them, like, hope to shield your eyes, kids. (laughs) 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 And and they're like, all like, I remember like, at Stan and Cooling, she was like one of the headliners and she she basically like, she was like, kind of backstage, she's like, I'm going to do a new song now. I think this one sounds slightly Irish. I was like, really? Which part of it? <laughs> and it's like, so really, Grace, which part of it? <laughs> was it no Irish at all? Yeah, exactly. Of course it wasn't. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was Grace Jones doing like ridiculous things as always. Ah, or like, you know, like she'd be up from a bear of sound and she'd be like, right, this is what I used to wear to go to school in. Really? <laughs> oh man! So, are you looking forward to the day we can get back into the gigs, uh, or yeah. you got any concerns about being in crowds? I suppose it's all going to happen when it happens. Yeah. I guess, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting to see actually how we mm-hmm. can, you know, kind of make shows, um, yeah. you know, socially distanced. I mean, one of the ideas I I kind of thought of was um obviously doing virtual reality gigs is gonna be is gonna be kind of quite an interesting uh, kind of concept but i don't think it's gonna quite work but i also thought about another way or like more lo-fi way which people could get more involved in shows is if we set like set up a load of easels in the venues and then we can like everyone to draw the boat to actually draw the bands okay (laughs) then you can still have the two meters distancing yeah you put everyone like in a down in the seat, something almost uh-huh. having them surround the performers, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I think that should be a shout out to which band wants to be the first to let that to be in that situation, yeah. Well, I've done, I've, I mean, I've done it myself. To Any bands people. watching this now? That's the yeah. call to us, yeah. We'll be watching it when it comes out on Thursday, but you know, um, <laughs> that's but, a good idea. But yeah, so I find myself that sometimes when I've been drawing it shows that sometimes it, it it kind of intensifies the experience. Right. Or like it makes you kind of have a greater focus on things. 
um, is what I found. It's also great to like, um, I could find myself like in the, being down the front of really, really lively shows, yeah. watching all the bodies flying around me, just like kind of, <laughs> with a massive grin up, with a massive grin up my face. A scroll suddenly, that carefully yeah. drawn face as a scroll. Yeah, <laughs> like I did, um, I think I did, I did JPEG, I, drew, I, drew, I was drawing at the JPEG Mafia show at the exchange last year. Right. That was like, I think he lasted about 10 seconds on stage before he literally dived up. Mm. I think it was like every, it was almost like every 10 seconds he was on stage, he'd spend at least 20 seconds up for the audience. <laughs> Great. Have you drawn any of our lot? Any of the heavenly lot? Have you yeah, drawn Dave Azuga? Dave I've done Katie. Have you done Katie? Yeah. Yeah, Katie's uh, Katie's definitely seen because she's been she was supporting fiction work to quite a few people. So I've, I've always, whenever she's either that or like Lazarus Kane or any of those lot, really, whenever they turned up, I've been like, I've drawn them. I've did I've done Working Men's Club a couple of times. Have you? Have you yeah. drawn them? Okay. I need I need to dig them out. Yeah, please. Yeah, I'd like to see them. Yeah, um, and I've got like. Um, who else have I done from your lot? I'm just trying to think. Right now, seeing pictures of my lot drawn is the next best that by you is the next best thing. Don't you see in a gig, I think? Really? <laughs> I suppose it's best some of the blood, sweat, and tears. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's some there's something new from um, Working Men's Club um, appearing next week, actually. So oh, wow. if this goes out, when does this go out, Jeff? Thursday. Yeah. Um, on Friday. So next Friday was the original release date of their um, album, yeah. uh, which June the 5th was supposed to be putting the album out and we, had, we, 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 we decided to move it back to October yeah. because we thought there might be gigs in October or September, October. Um, uh, but we did decide to create something new to mm. put out that day anyway. So. Yeah. It's a little bit hush hush, but you'll start seeing clues drop from yeah. Monday. Um, uh, it's very good. I guess it also makes me think about, like, you know, like with obviously, like with with putting out releases at the moment, like how how is it going to affect, you know, sort of like I guess the market, I guess you know, people buying records because of like I guess it mostly kind of go to people who are like buying online. Yeah, I. It's the live side that I really worry about, to be honest with yeah. you. Um, I, I mean, sales are. The shops are the shops are busy. The shops that were the shops that were ready for mail order. The shops that already had mail order or were quick to adapt yeah. are okay. I mean, they're finding it incredibly hard work because there's, there's fewer of them because of the social distancing. It's not a full crew. Right. Um, but luckily, we're you know people, my friends and, and the shops that I'm in contact with, they're all reporting good sales yeah. um, and healthy business. And we've seen, you know, sort of spiking, spiked, spike in streaming. Um, yeah. Radio is radio listenership gone up. Six music listenerships up twenty percent or so. Um, so people are listening. Yeah. But it's just you know the the. the the live side is so fragile, I guess. Oh, so fragile. And, you know, you think about groups like, you know, the Orioles, who are doing, you know, yeah. they're doing fine. The Orioles are okay. But, man, yeah. they just started to make a bit of money from shows. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, the summer festival run and an October tour. Yeah. Kinds of, and I, and I, and you know, like those, 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 those like, kids, you know, it's yeah. hard. I guess it's just like... So we don't always think about like the amount it either costs the artists or even like like promoters as well. Oh, the, the whole system, the whole network, the whole system. We we have a very good relationship uh, uh, with a, a venue in Yorkshire called the, uh, the Trades Club in uh, oh, that's Bridge. That's it's a, a great venue. Every everything about that venue is just it's just fantastic. The lovely people that run it, the way it's ran, the way it's looked after. The mm. care and attention to the sound and the yeah. and, and, and and the comfort of of, of, of everybody and the fact that they book so adventurously in such yeah. a small town, you know, and the way they look after people, people keep going back. It's testament to how well that's ran. But man, it, it's bloody, you know, it's it's scary yeah. where that's at right now. You know, it, 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 
there's only so many times you feel that you can kind of, you know, pass the hat around for some change, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I really, I, it upsets me, you know, that that's, uh, that, that I think, place. I think you know, it's also like, it's, it's, it's almost like as if it's like a kind of, like an undervalued part of our society. That's something that we, we may be taking, that some of us, you know, may be taking for granted. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess. I mean, this well, maybe, has been maybe, one of the... Maybe that's like, well, I'm not talking about like you and me, I'm talking about like maybe other people. Yeah. I think so. I, I, I think you're probably right. I think, um, I think you're probably right. I think that a lot of people have, you'd like to think that people have actually stopped and realised that, that this is important. And, hmm. and if they have been able to chuck in a couple of quid to help it along, then that, 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 that's obviously fantastic. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's the venues, it's the promoters, it's, it's the bar staff, it's the printer who makes the posters, it's every... Sound engineers and like the kind of... <sighs> and then the crew that work with the bands. Oh yeah. my God. You I know. know. <laughs> I know, dude, I, I feel your pain. It's then... really, it's really, it's, it's really, it's really grim. And that's a whole summer wiped out for everybody as well this year, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, God, we're not... We're not every, back single, too far, every single all of the festivals. I mean, the whole events industry. I think the thing is, it's partly because we're living through something that it's not just taking this country; it's taking for much of the world, mm. sort of thing. And that yeah. no, no, um, totally. But the small the, the small venues trust are doing doing a good job. I think. I think they're yeah. um that that they the way they've been they've been lobbying government for 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 funding and making sure that people realise how important it is. Well, yeah, it's also uh, like, I don't trust that bloody culture minister of ours right now, but anyway. No, I don't think I trust any of those. Any yeah, but you look at that guy and I think, really? Who's culture? <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. I, I, don't, I don't go to the opera, mate. <laughs> yeah, but then the thing is, is that I think that, that I mean, it's like, I mean, like, I thank my lucky stars for places like the Louisiana and like, I'll say, yeah. the exchange and like, well, mm. even though, like even before the exchange with Croft, because it's pretty much the same people who run right. around both those places, because of, it gave me, I guess, access to the bands, but then also yeah. access to safe spaces as well. Yeah. Because especially, like, I noticed that with, especially with the Croft, with Stokes Croft at the time, was quite a it was quite a rough and dangerous area. Right. And I noticed that, I think, the, I noticed the area changed over time, I think, but... But partly, I think it would have been sparked off of venues like the Croft as if and having people, something for people to go into where they could feel safe. Right. Mm. Great. I, mean, like, I don't think I've, I don't think I've been there. Is it, is it still open, Stokes Croft venue? Um, it's, it's, well, they kind of, they sold it to the people who turned it into the Crofters' rights. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. 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 And then, um, so it's, it's a bit different. It's still there's some of the some some of the similarities, but they okay. completely changed the the insides of it sort of thing. Right, right. Um, but then like but then as I said like like Paul Horvick and Matt Ottridge, who are like the main owners for the Croft, they basically mm -hmm. they also opened up the exchange. Yeah, okay. And yeah, and the thing that, that what what the exchange has done so brilliantly is that they they've really open them up for like outsider communities. Right. So there's a lot, a lot of people like from either LGBT or like people from like um, communities which aren't always really recognised and they'll, they'll, they'll allow them to put on nights and put on okay. you know, different events sort of thing. And that's, the, I guess that's what I really miss out on is actually the communities yeah. surrounding, yeah. The, surrounding the shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 good. I guess if you go out as regularly as you do, you get to see so many different people. People coming mm. through town, yeah. coming through town every time. So it's it's seeing a lot of different faces. That, that that that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that and I think that's what's helped me. Is basically as mm. I said, it'd be like I'd turn up regularly to the Louisiana. They used to mm. have the same doorman kind of quite a lot of the time, and it's through seeing regular faces mm. that. Kind of like that actually helped me in more ways than one because it was like establishing friendships but then also it was like helping open me up yeah because i used to be a very like kind of closed off almost like fishbowl type person 
Whereas now I see it's like the fish bowl's got a lot, lot, lot bigger. Yeah. Still a yeah. bit like that now, but I mean, like, sipping, like, they helped me a lot with my mental health and with, okay. like, kind of, I guess, talking about things, really. Great. That's One good. of the first people I actually opened up to was like a guy called Johnny Barrage. He used to be like one of the main doormen for the Louisiana. Oh, okay. Sort of thing. Just because I felt like I could, like, could trust in them. Right. Oh, that's really good. Where, whereabouts is the exchange, Jeff? I don't think I know yet. It's uh, like the bottom of Old Market. It's right. Like, okay. If you were to go, I kind of, it's like right next door to a pub called the Stag and Hounds. Like opposite oh, yeah. side of the same building. Yeah. Okay. Sort of thing. But yeah, yeah they. I mean, yeah, they. I think they. They. They've always been really active in community. So they're they're like one of the first venues in Bristol to be actually community owned. So they. They. That's how they. I think that's how they're surviving. I mean, like, I'm actually midway through designing a T-shirt for them. Uh-huh. You know, it's like I, because like. If the Louisiana wanted me to design a t-shirt, I'd definitely design, I'd design every venue a t-shirt if they wanted me. Right. Whether it's places I've been to, whether it's places I haven't been to, because I feel, yeah. I feel that, you know, like I, cause I did like a tour for independent venue week and I felt like a kid on gobstoppers the entire time. Yeah. I felt, yeah, because I was being shown around like places like, like the lead mill, I'd never been to the lead mill and I got taken on a historic tour and I was like, wow, I could, I, I could, yeah. I was almost like they were showing me like the original pulp posters and I could virtually even, barely even breathe. I was like, was too much, like, too right. much fanboying. Yeah, that's, just, that's, that, that's a really great venue. A lot of heritage there. Yeah, and like even like the trades club as well. I was like, kind of, I remember looking like walking in there or walking mm. into the main room and just staring at the ceiling and start going, wow. Yeah. There's a feeling of real, there's a feeling of that that word safe that you you, you use, which is very important to to go somewhere and feel safe. That's instant at the trades, I think. Mm. You know, there's something about, there's a warmth to that venue where you do feel it. And then you see Mel, the promoter, or Sarah, the volunteer. Yeah. And you know you you were in a safe. Well, I must admit, I didn't meet Mal because I was, uh, I was, I think he was ill at the time, but like... He was, wasn't he, earlier this year? He was, he was under the weather. We'll be good, to, we'll be pleased to know he's much better. In fact, oh, I wow. think he would actually say that he's totally bad. He, he, yeah, he got, he got knocked out by a, a peculiar illness, but he's, he's, he's on the mend. The only thing that's bothering him now is the, the, the security of the venue, you know, the safety yeah. of the venue. But he's in, he's in, good, he's in good health. Excuse me, one second. Um, uh, but yeah, um, did Tom Friend mention anything to you about his plans that he, he was having for a friendly festival over in um, South Yes, Bristol? yeah, because I know that he was doing something with with Connell, with Connell Dodds. That's right, yeah, with Connell. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's twenty twenty one now. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> everything else. Yeah, um, I think that's, I think that's a great idea because I think there's definitely an area of Bristol which feels a lot less explored. Like, yeah. the there's, there's not so much going on. Whereas most of the events which happen in Bristol either happen right in the centre or they'll happen in like the Stokes Croft area, mm-hmm. which are seen as like the party hubs. Whereas I guess, I think South Bristol is um is definitely under you know, undernourished in that so in that in that kind of that kind of you know, sense. You know, as if in like um so there's, there's not really that many that many Bristol's that many venues apart from like the Louisiana, the, the Fiddlers and um, got the pubs around the corner for me, which is not really that for 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 the size of, of Bristol we need to have mm. like more spaces I think. Is the Thekla still operating? Um, obviously they're all in lockdown at the moment, but. Yeah. yeah, in general though, I, 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 they clo- I, did they close the, the, for a while for a refurbishment or something? Or? Yeah, they, they do that every few years. They right. have to keep it seaworthy. Yes, of course. Like, yeah, yeah. So like every few, every. I mean, God, that must cost them a lot of money. Yeah. Well, we we were involved in in, in that for a while. It was it, it it was it was actually a Thekla social for a while. Um, yeah. Me and my partners at the social in the social. Uh, we went into we we we, we so DHP own it and yeah. um, and we had the social in Nottingham and our original partner um, 
uh, didn't want to continue and sold sold the lease to DHP. Mm. So we went in with them for a while. So that was a social there. Yeah. And during that time, we 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 collectively went onto the Thekla. Yeah. But DHP, yeah, and it was a mess. It was a wreck. It was really yeah. did need a, it needed service a lot of servicing and refurbishing. And so DHP, to their credit. Spent yeah. an awful lot of money renovating it and putting a fantastic PA in. I mean, yeah, it no, was, exactly. It was good. I, I was up in London and my uh, the first few bands we 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 had booked there. I can't remember where it was now, but there were people I knew, and every one of them, the tour manager was getting back to me going, "That is a great venue. The sounds yeah. fantastic. The facilities are fantastic." Um, sadly, uh, a year later, uh, Georgia failed to recoup hardly any of his money that it invested and um, and therefore our partnership um, uh, collapsed because of uh, lack of funds but I, I'm, I'm glad to see that they've kept it on because it's not an easy it's not no. an easy venue it's a bloody boat in the middle of a city I mean I know, exactly. <laughs> it's an iconic boat yes <laughs> I mean like it was, especially to, it was made famous by by the Banksy um like the artwork on the side of it, which they've had to remove and actually set it up in Bristol Museum at the moment. Since they, Is it? Yeah, because every, every, they had to take it off, take the panel off because it was causing rust. All ah, right, right. And so, like, but yeah, if you think about it, if you're going to, if you're going to, like, store somewhere safe and, and have it on public view, Bristol, like, somewhere like a museum is perfect for it, really. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. It's like an educational space as well. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. Well, I'm looking forward to coming down to Bristol as soon as I can. That will be one of my first stops, I think. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing you as soon as I can. You know, well, I'll, 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 I'll come see you. God knows whether it'll be a gig or whether it'll just be a passing through, but, yeah. um, but hopefully knows, it'll be soon. We'll probably all be nerding out at Friendly Records. Yeah. Well, that's a good... I, God, I can't wait for that day. I can't yeah. wait for that day to nerd out at Friendly Records. That's what I miss out is actually is actually being able to hang out in some of these places, even mm. cafes and record shops. Yeah. And actually that I think that they should be added to like for me, safe spaces. Yeah. I mean like God God knows how my parents brought up with me, especially like walking past record shops where mm. where I'd literally have to spend like three or four hours like yeah. in there kind of, like going through like pretty much <laughs> almost every single category. <laughs> I think, my, I, think, I think my parents they 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 kind of realised early on that 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 they'll be safe left in these in these kind of places. Mm. They, know, they know exactly where they've found me. It needs to be like alphabet. It needs to be like it's like and then sometimes I remember that. But sometimes it also helped me out with mathematics. Inadvertently. Okay. Like, yeah. If I buy this record, I can afford this record. I'm yeah. Like, or if I buy, you know. <laughs> I think that it's, it's sort of quite a funny way of thinking about it, but it's partly true. It's partly true. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Parents would send me out sometimes to Gloucester to go and get some stationery. I'd go to WH Smiths. I'd be like, and they're like, right, I could spend like three or four quid on this pen. Oh, look, I could go and get a cassette that I can help with from over there for like, for like less than a fiver. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Is that quid in? <laughs> And sometimes I would have to subject my parents to whatever, whatever, whatever I bought, basically. And then, so we, I, I always be like, I guess, and then I quite how to put it into words. But I'd like, kind of, I, I, I sometimes have complete control over the, over the car stereo. So I'd be like, um, then sometimes I they play stuff like Annie Lennox and stuff like, and he's actually still one of my heroes. I've yet to see is Annie Lennox. Okay. Yeah, I think partly because of um, I think it's partly the nostalgia thing for me. Mm. So like I remember like being played stuff like Walking on Broken Glass and like yeah. kind of um, like Little Bird when I was like about ten years old. Yeah. And I think that I've been lucky that I've t ticked off most of my heroes, you know. Um, so I've ticked yeah. off did, like. Did she perform? I don't think she performs much anymore. Does she? No, I don't think she does. I think she does like every now and again sort of thing. Mm. But I mean, like, I mean, like, I've been lucky to see stuff like Mavis Staples, because mm. um, like my mum was also kind of really into her soul. 
Um, yeah, she was really, well, she's like, she, she likes all the stuff like Aretha Franklin. Um, we got, um, play, what did she play? She play like some, some sort of gospel kind of African music. Um, you would mix. Good taste, your parents. Yeah, Beatles, Stevie Wonder. Um, yeah, yeah, basically, I think I think they did actually influence probably the way which I listen to things. I think they did. I think that I think that you do take certain influence from from your parents, sort of thing, and you can't. Yeah, musically, so I, musically, I, the only influence I got from my parents was to actually actually go and listen to some music because they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> really. but also, there's none in our house. But I think also the fact that also having my parents working the quite culturally open sort of thing, so it'd be like, mm. right, I think that's definitely had an impact on me. So I guess that when I was a teenager, I was like going through my angry rock period. So it'd be like, right, I'm going to listen to a band which fuses all these songs of music together. <laughs> so like, I was, I was like, really into like dub war um bloody rag um asian dub foundation um who else was there into when i was in my late teenage years i was i guess i was into like some of the like kind of crossover rock kind of stuff yeah. so it can it, it still like express my range but then also have you can have like some of the local phones of like hip-hop and stuff like that yeah kind of thrown together um I guess that, yeah, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to really, but <laughs> just, just go with it. <laughs> I'm going to have to leave you to it, Jeff. I'm afraid yeah. I need to uh, go and do a little bit of work, but it's lovely to talk to you. Lovely to talk to you too, Jeff. I'm glad to see you're well. If you yeah, speak to or see any of my Bristolian friends, give them my best and tell them we'll be meeting up lovely. in Friendly Records as soon as we possibly can. Yeah, man. Lovely to see you, Jeff. You too, Jeff. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, you too, Take mate. Care, All the best. See you later. Later. Bye. Bye.